if you have your Bibles there, open to Colossians chapter 3. And uh, looking particularly at this verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let's pray now and just ask God's help as we look at his word together. Father God, you've written your word for our instruction. Father, not everything is easy to receive or to understand or to accept, but we pray for that work of your Holy Spirit in our life, that we may bow before you in humility, allow you to teach us, to allow you to instruct us in what you are saying in your word. Father, open our hearts and eyes to see the wondrous things that you have set here before us. In so doing, that we may walk in obedience before you through faith in Jesus. And in so doing, Father, we may know your joy in our lives. So we ask your hand upon us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you may have noticed that we're actually in a battle. And in a battle that affects all of us and all our thinking. And we are facing a consistent attack and what the Bible presents to us about men, women and children in our roles before God. And this shows up in the terms of the growing pressure to recognise homosexuality as normal and acceptable to God. It shows up in all the pressures too about gender change and the disconnect between who you are genetically and who you choose to be. And it shows up in so many different areas of life where a socialist model of relationships is based on conflict rather than cooperation. Well, we're not going to deal with all of that this morning. don't have time. But we are going to deal with some aspects of our understanding of what the Bible teaches about family. And so into this, the, into this, the Bible, like the passage we'll be looking at this morning, speaks that which we need to hear and above all to put into practice. We may not be able to change the thinking of many in our culture in some of these areas, but we do need to make sure that we as individuals in the context of our families Express the teachings of the Bible in a faithful and a God-honouring way. Now, many people in our communities bemoan the loss of traditional family values. You've heard that phrase? Oh, yeah. I think I dislike that phrase. Because we're not about traditional family values. For that is devoid of any real authority. We don't do things just because that's the way it's always been done. We are to do things because the scripture itself provides us with the reason and the rationale for doing it. We are for biblical family values that can be and should be substantiated from the scripture itself. There may be an overlap, but the scriptures as the word of God provides us with a vastly superior authority than that which we can attribute to any idea of tradition. Just because your parents did something doesn't mean to say that you have to do exactly the same thing. So I want to look at what the word God says this morning about husbands, mainly from this passage in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, of course, we can't miss out the passage in Ephesians, which we looked at last time very briefly. But I'm going to read it because Paul does a lot more and tells us a lot more about this passage. And he says, Husbands, love your wives. This is Ephesians 5, verse 25 and onwards, if you want to read it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, the husband should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, each of you should love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, it's important for us to understand the the long context of both of these passages. In Colossians chapter 2, prior to this particular command, Paul has already said to these, uh, these Colossian Christians, in general, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So the kinds of characteristics which the Apostle Paul expects us to exhibit in general in terms of our Christian character provide the general background and foundation for all of the things which happen in our families. What does he say? He says, uh, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And in the parallel passage in Ephesians, just before that passage we read just a few minutes ago, Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, always giving thanks and for everything uh, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. In each case, before Paul addresses the functioning of wives, husbands and so on, he reminds us first that we need to be walking in submission to God and fellowship with him. Why? Because unless God is working in your life, what we're dealing with is impossible. What we're dealing with is impossible. Why? Because it goes against our whole nature, our old nature, which really is focused on self. And everything that we're dealing with here in terms of Paul's instructions to wives, to Paul's instructions towards husbands and so forth, deals with what must be true in our new self, not driving from our old self, because it simply won't happen. Now, we could talk about that for a long time, but we won't. So here, we have this command before us that... uh, you know, in the background, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And in parallel with that, in Ephesians, he says, be filled with the Spirit. This is the foundation by which we are given the ability and the discernment and the understanding that we need to be able to function as wives and husbands, fathers and mothers, in a way which is honoring to God. In general... The wife will not submit to her husband in a manner that is fitting to the Lord without the experience of God's grace in her life. And here in verse 19, 
the husband will not properly love his wife in a way which pleasing to the Lord without the power of God himself enabling us to do what he commands. And however much we want to make maybe different in our lives, we find that changing our lives is not just a matter of willpower. It's a matter of having the Holy Spirit empowering us in our lives to see things differently, to understand things differently, and to receive that strength that we need to be able to stand firmly on what God wants us to do. So I want to just use those background. Let's look at what God is saying here now. He says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. In the previous verse, Paul addressed wives, that the wives were to submit to their husbands. And while addressing wives, addressing there, there is an implicit truth for us as husbands. And submitting to a husband, there is, you want to write this down, he says, each husband has a God-given role of leadership and responsibility for his family, for his wife and for his children. Each husband has a God-given role of leadership and responsibility for his family, for his wife and children. Now, we looked briefly at this a couple of weeks back, and it's a fairly large topic far beyond one sermon. I don't want to revisit it too much this morning, except to encourage us all to have discussion in these areas of our calling, how we should best function as husbands, wives, and parents. I know this may be hard to believe, but I'm not the fount of all wisdom. Now, I don't think many of you are confused about that. But together, there's a lot of experience and wisdom in each other's uh, Christian journey, that we can help each other, that we can crystallise what it is, means to be, that here in Invercargill in this year 2024, how to function as Christian families, how to function as Christian parents, how to function as a husband and a wife. And, but I want to just read just one passage from Titus chapter 2, where Titus says to us, or Paul says to us, as he's writing to Titus, he says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. That's my job. But older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behaviour, not slanders, slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, let me just stop for a minute. Press pause in your brain because I don't want to go past this comment here which has been often misunderstood. Paul says, talking about women, working at home. The NIV has the translation, busy at home. And the word here is talking about not being lazy. It is not talking about some kind of sentence of home detention. Okay. It is not talking about be women being restricted to home. If you think of some of the traditional family values that we grew up with, I grew up in a, in a, in a house over in Waverley, and Dad went to work, Mum stayed at home. And I think that's not uncommon. I think economic necessity is often meant now that that has changed. But that in itself of Mum being at home is not necessarily a Christian value. It's part of the tradition. We need to evaluate that. We just read that passage from uh, Proverbs 31. And think of how much work was done outside the home by the wife. And with God's blessing, because it was there, a very commendable statement. And I'm not saying that you know, if you're going to marry somebody, you should ask for their property statement. 
of their portfolios. But at the same time, and I'm not necessarily saying that uh, one person would do all of that, but across the space of a lifetime, a lot of people get up to a lot of things. But we're free to do those things. That's what the Bible is saying. We're free to do those things, working together. You know, we'll come back to that perhaps briefly later. Paul addresses here husbands. And the key command here is simply put, each husband is to love his own wife. Each husband is to love his own wife. One of the misconceptions that comes about about Christian teaching is that women are subservient to men. Not so. The Bible says that a woman, a wife, is to submit to her husband. Not all husbands. Right? Likewise, yeah, within the context of the church, yes, there is submission to elders, but not to all men. So it's very specific and narrow areas where this particular kind of command is set in place. But here, this husband is to love his own wife. We have behind this, of course, the whole biblical pattern of marriage. One man married to one woman until death separates them. Now, there's a lot to be unpacked there from the scriptures, and this is not the complete teaching of the Bible, and it's not for this morning. Suffice it for the say that the man and woman are biological categories that God and his providence gave to us at our conception. They are not social constructs that we can choose and change. The idea of marriage between one man, one woman for life is God's pattern for us. The second thing in there is, is God leads us into marriage then before God, we are taking upon ourselves certain responsibilities. Marriage is optional, is it not? You don't have to get married. There's no command anywhere that says you have to get married. If you do get married and you want to enter into that intimacy of relationship, then God does place upon us certain incumbent responsibilities. When we go into marriage, for example, then the wife has certain responsibilities, the husband has certain responsibilities, and we choose to do that. The main responsibility that the apostle was telling us about here is that the husband is to love his wife. The husband is to love his wife. So what does this love look like? Well, when we look at the homes and families of our community in large, we find in at least some of them the husbands love their wives, do we not? Do you know people from the non-Christian community where the husband and wife love each other, care for each other? value each other? You're allowed to nod. Yeah, I, I know that too. And uh, many of us have come from non-Christian homes and I'm sure that my mum and dad loved each other and many within my family demonstrated a similar kind of love. That was a blessing from God. But as I reflected upon this, I came to a couple of conclusions that by God's common grace, love is not absent from the homes of many lives of non-Christians. They manifest God's truth in their relationships, even though they perhaps don't necessarily attribute it to their understanding of what God has given to them. But often there is also a different focus in this kind of love. In many instances, we see that so many of the romantic, uh, we see it in many of the romantic music dramas or pop music presented to us that the love for my wife is because of how she fulfills me. Now, 
I wouldn't sing it to you. You make me feel brand new. Is that, a, is that a lyric that he reminded you of? It goes back a little way. Well, you bring me joy and happiness. You are the one who completes my life. And the focus comes back upon us. And we may find that each of things may be true, but it falls short of the purpose of the love of a husband for his wife that the Lord presents to us. So how is the love spoken of in the scripture different? Spencer? Do you want to go here? This, how is the love spoken about in the scripture is different. And, and the statement I want you to focus on here is that the love of the husband is focused not just on benefits to him, but on the benefit to his wife. In other words, I don't love my wife because of what she does for me. I'm to love my wife and do what I can for her. Now, in an ideal situation, which came close to, there's mutual blessing, there's mutual joy, there's mutual delight. But the focus of the husband, as Paul talks about it here, is that the purpose and focus and main thrust of the work of the husband is to love his wife for her benefit. The word used of love here is this word agapeo, and one thing to note, it is actually a command. It is a command given from God to us. It's not an optional extra, an add-on in our marriage. In God's eyes, this kind of love is at the heart of the relationship of a husband to wife. So let's ask the question, what is being commanded? Well, the word agapeo is a noun, and agapeo is a verb, is used of God's love for us. We find this in that well-known verse, which you're familiar with. I think you've heard it before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's love for us resulted in him giving at great cost to himself to us. And so this, this um, idea is expressed. So this, this biblical love is other-focused. This love led God to give at great cost to himself his only son for our benefit. And the same idea is clearly expressed in Ephesians chapter 5, where he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so the model for the love of the husband is how Jesus deals with his people, how Jesus deals with us. Let me ask you, in your Christian walk, have you found Jesus to be draconian? A hard taskmaster? Cruel? Delighting in putting down people? When we think about how Jesus dealt with those who came to him, it was always with a spirit of gentleness always with a spirit of caring for the person who came, always considering their need and how to, speaking those words which would minister to that need. And so this kind of model of us as, as husbands should be that we are focusing upon what our wives at that particular moment need in a spirit of gentleness. 
Have you ever wondered at the patience of God with us? I'm staggered, to be honest. You sit and you think, why does God bother? Nothing in me. It's everything that's in him. And so this, this focus is not, I love my wife because she deserves it, which he did. But because God commands me to love her regardless, simply because she is my wife. And to do that with gentleness and patience, working for her good. As husbands, the outworking of this kind of love for our wives should be for their spiritual growth and benefit. And this should, we should enable this, even if it means sacrificing our own agendas and plans. We should be sacrificial where needed. Wasn't always good at that. I must confess. And there's a subtle trap here. In my reading through this passage, I came across one suggestion on a Christian website that said, ask yourself each day, what have I sacrificed for my wife today? Sound good? Yeah, but at the same time, it's focused upon what I do. I don't make sacrifices just so that I can tick a box. I think we should perhaps recast the statement to read, what needs does my wife have today that I can help her with? So that it's driven by the need rather than my desire to think well of myself by being sacrificial. What needs do my wife have today that I can help her to meet? The love we are called to exercise as husbands is to be other-focused, unselfish, directed towards the benefit of my wife before God. As husbands, loving our wives means dealing with any bitterness that may arise in our hearts towards them. This is the second part of this particular statement in verse 19 where he says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do not be harsh with them. And some translations take this, and I think it's possibly a slightly better one. Do not be bitter towards them. Do not be bitter towards them. Now, there's a difference in mindset, I think, between men and women generally. Let me not paint myself into a corner there. But men generally tend to be task-orientated. Less so with women, though some I'm sure are. And women often are more relationship and people-oriented, generally speaking. I have to work hard at that one. But nevertheless, there's, there's a difference. And this can lead to conflict. And I wasn't always sensitive as a, a man came home from school, usually slightly tired, and I had things I needed to do, I thought. Did I put those things ahead of my wife at times? Yes, I did. Often? Yes, I did. And so it wasn't always sacrificial, putting aside my agendas for what my wife needed to have. And so we have this, this, um, this tension that's there, and we need to be thoughtful about this. It's not something which happens on autopilot. It is something we need to be conscious of and actually think through and choose to do. And so there's this word is a command for us. And so we have this, this love given to us. And we mustn't allow those changes that we may need to make cause us to be bitter towards our wife or to be harsh with them. 
And from my observation, our wives are often very busy, especially when there are young children involved. And we may need to fit into the schedules imposed by caring for children. We need to be fully involved in caring for our children so that it takes some of the time and energy burden from our wives. So overcome any frustration you may feel because of this, and understanding her situation will go a long way to avoiding any sense of exasperation that might grow in you. Remember that the part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us is long-suffering and patience. And we are to exercise that with our wives. And ladies, you can take it on board too. You need to seriously need some long-suffering and patience with your husbands, I'm sure. If you find in you a growing sense of bitterness or frustration or of a temptation to be harsh, then you need to deal with that before God. It is not her problem, it's your problem. We as husbands in particular must look for and see and seek to discern the needs of our wives. And even then it costs to ourselves help address those things. Small example. When I was teaching in Dunedin in my early years, that was a long time ago now, I came across a young woman teacher as part of the school I was at and she was having difficulties at home because of the different needs of husband and wife. And she went home after a challenging day dealing with students. And those of you who are teaching will know what I'm talking about. And all she wanted to do was sit down in peace and quiet for a while. That was what I needed to do. Anne never spoke to me or told me anything important in that first hour after school because she knew it just would not sink in. So she was pretty smart. When, but this when lady went home, she just wanted to sit down, peace and quiet. Her husband walked and worked in a quiet office. And when he came home, all he wanted was a bit of noise and activity. And you can see the conflict coming up here, can't you? Yeah. Well, she decided ultimately to step down from teaching for the sake of her marriage. So I don't know the long-term outcome of their marriage, but awesome respect to her for taking such steps. But perhaps such major action could have been unnecessary if her husband had been a little bit more understanding. It may seem simple, doesn't it? It may seem small. It makes a big difference to how the, the atmosphere in the te- of, the, of, the, of the home exists. I mean, it takes away from peace to sort of negotiated truce, which is a big difference. Before we finish, let us consider briefly how this love is worked out. Husbands, you are to exercise leadership here. You are to exercise leadership here. Leadership involves consultation, but someone has to start the conversation. Somebody has to pick up that place and say, let's go for a walk or let's sit down and have a coffee. And so spend time talking to each other as husband and wife. And I'll say again, husbands, exercise leadership here. Obviously, you will not have all the answers, nor will your wife. That's simply an expression of our limitations before God. But be proactive. Be together in a way which allows you to develop your understanding together of how your service of God together may grow. One of the real and often unspoken needs your wife may have may just be to spend time with you. Give her that time. Amazingly, she may want just to spend time with you. 
don't be overwhelmed by that uh, um, radical thought. She may enjoy being in your company. Give her that time. Husbands, take time to yourself to think through how you may best minister to your wife and children and weigh up ways in which you may free up your wife to participate in Christian fellowship. Spending time together is important, but another major need may be to enable your wife to participate in a wider fellowship within the church and the community at large. So you sit there and say, how can I help her grow in her Christian walk and understanding and fellowship? You are not the totality of her life. Don't expect that. We're part of a community, right? And so as a result, we need to enable that interaction to take place. One thing which I realised, I must say, much later, that when Nan and I got married, which was quite a while ago now, Anne gave up her nursing career to be at home and to care for our children. Later, as the children grew, Anne got a job doing a couple of night shifts in a, in, in a, in a, a, a C-class hospital in Perth, which was caring for older patients, many of whom had dementia. Did help with the budget, which was the, the first thought. But as I observed in hindsight... It gave her an outlet for her caring nature, which I'm sure took her into nursing in the first place. She loved going to work because it dovetailed in with our family life fairly well as she slept and we were at school, but it gave her this expression of that calling and gift which God had given to her in terms of caring for others. And she just enjoyed going back nursing. Took me a while to figure that out. But nevertheless, enabling people to be involved in the community and the things which they're good at and the things that they would love to do, why not? And a whole lot more can be said and examples given, but everyone's situation will be different. Part of the beauty of God's plan for us is that we do not have to conform rigidly to someone else's pattern. We have the freedom to take the teachings and principles laid down in the scripture and work out how we can best fulfill this in the context of our own homes, our own marriages and our own lives. Earlier we read from Proverbs 31. Thankfully we've got all of it in. The bits that related to the, uh, the woman of, of great value. But when we look at, through it, and I encourage you to go back and read it, here we have an expression of what a harmonious household can look like. Here in the love of her husband is a woman set free to be active in so many things. In all her activity, she too sets her husband free to be involved in the leadership within his community as he takes a seat in the city gates. There is joy here. There is, there is a unity of purpose. There is that deep sense of peace between husband and wife as together both together before God, make their contributions to those who are around them. When husband and wife work together this way, as the Lord has instructed us, so there comes peace, so there comes unity, so there comes ministry and fruitfulness and blessing to others within our community. Before we finish, let me just come back to that first thought of the, the battle of which we're involved in. And we would want to affirm that we believe the biblical teaching regarding family. Affirm the need for strong male leadership of husbands, full of God's grace, functioning within our homes. We need 
Also, we affirm the need for strong mothers and wives, again filled with the Holy Spirit, functioning in obedience to God and working together with husband in the whole functioning of family. And we affirm, too, that the best place to bring up children is in a Christian home where the husband and wife both seek to honour God in their own lives and also seek to raise their children in the truth and the love of God. This is very much under attack in our day. And we have to be those who just simply say, we stand for this and we won't stand for anything else. Let's pray together. Father God, there's so much to be talked about in terms of families. There's so much that you have shown us in your word in terms of the principles by which we need to function. Father, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, that we may walk before you in humility, that we may walk before each other in humility, and that we may seek to serve you and others in every part of our being and part of our lives. But we pray especially, Father, for our Christian homes. We pray for husbands and fathers amongst us. We pray for wives and mothers amongst us. We pray for our children. We pray, Father, too, for the, the role that grandparents play and of senior members of our families as we uh, our aunts and uncles to so many. Father, give us wisdom about how we can serve you in the context of looking after nieces and nephews and children and grandchildren. Father, through us we pray, may your kingdom be established and may your kingdom be extended in our children, in our children's children. And that we may see your covenantal promise brought to fruition as the word of Christ is taught to them and that you use the loving context of a caring and faithful Christian home to bring about your truth exhibited in the lives of these young ones. Father, help us to help each other in this as we discuss how to do this, how best to do this, new ways to do this. Father, that we may share ideas together, things which we have just touched on today, but we haven't had time to develop. So, Father, grant us that wisdom, we pray. Bless us, we ask now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.